issues so that we can be um, a blessing to our family units and to our spouses. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next five uh, weeks. So hopefully uh, this will be beneficial to you and, and to your family. So I want to say this. Our, our families are in a time of great transition right now during this season. Uh, many of our family units have kids that are heading back to school and mom and dad are both working. And the amount of stress that is placed on the American family today can be very difficult to handle. And as a result, sometimes we make really big mistakes in our family units that we can't really undo, but we've got to learn how to overcome. And I believe that all of us with families here this morning could use a little home improvement. Amen. All of us could use that. It'd be beneficial to all of us. Now, if you're single, you may be saying to yourself, well, this is not beneficial to me. I don't have a family. I don't have a spouse. But I would say if you ever want to be married and have a spouse, or if you ever want to have a family, this sermon series will be a huge benefit to you. And also, if you're just a single Christian and you don't have aspirations of being married or having a family, I think these principles apply to all Christians, not just those with families or those who are married. So I think this is beneficial to everyone here, and I hope and pray that you get something out of this sermon series this month. Home Improvement. Do you guys remember that television show? Or is it just me? Did you guys ever watch Home Improvement? Well, in the 90s, which seems so long ago, right? There was this popular sitcom titled Home Improvement with Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Do you guys remember that now? Tim the Tool Man Taylor, he, he was a stereotypical American male who loved his power tools. You guys remember, he loved his cars, he loved his sports, especially the Detroit uh, Lions, right, or Tigers, uh, baseball, right? Uh, so he, he, was, he was this guy that was just an all-American guy that was just a manly man, and he used to have this, uh, this mantra. He used to go, ho, 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 you guys remember that? Just manly, just oozing out of him. Um, and he was a former salesman for the fictional Benford uh, Tool Company. And remember, he was, he was really cocky, and he was accident-prone, and he was a know-it-all all the time. Uh, he was witty and flippant, um, and Tim's jokes were around a lot, even at the most inappropriate times. You guys remember that? I just remember some clips and some scenes. And remember, his family life could be very boisterous at time with his wife, Jill, and his nosy neighbor by the name of what? You guys remember his name? Wilson. Very good, right? This nosy neighbor used to peek over the back fence. Do you remember that? I know you have no neighbors like that today, but, you know, Wilson was this nosy neighbor that used to look over the fence. So this, this family unit was just, uh, you know, kind of fluid at times. Um, and he had two oldest children, the older children, Brad and Randy, that would torment the younger brother named Mark uh, and they would just continually test and pester each other, and it was often problematic in the family unit. And that was back in the 90s, right? And even before that, you guys used to watch the Cosby show, amen. That was like my favorite show. <laughs> and we saw these stories of these family units that were living in the cultural times and were able to overcome some of the, the difficulties that they faced. And, and, and these all-American families look great during that season, during that time, but then we continue on 
today, and we look at the sitcoms on television today with regard to family units, and what's the first family television show that you think about today? Modern Family, right? So we see the cultural changes today, and we understand the struggles that these family units today are facing. Times are changing, and things are difficult in the family unit. So I want to say this this morning. If you want to improve your home life, and I hope everyone here with a family is saying, I want to improve my home life. I want to get better with that. I'll say this to you. It starts with building a satisfying marriage. Amen? That is the foundation to a strong family dynamic. It starts with mom and dad and their satisfying relationship. You see, if mom and dad and their marriage relationship is not where it needs to be, that gets projected onto the family, to the children. And many of you uh, grew up in broken family systems where mom and dad were always at each other and it had a profound impact on you, you know? So we think about that and we say, okay, if we want to have a strong family unit, it starts with mom and dad and their marriage. So if you want to have a strong family life, focus on the satisfying marriage. And I want to leave you with this morning six principles. Mike, you can go to that next slide. Six principles on how to have a satisfying Marriage, And I want you to focus on these six principles um, throughout this series, and hopefully it'll be a benefit to you and to your, uh, to your relationship. So there's six principles that uh, some people call them secrets, but they're not really secrets. I think all of us, we, we can think about these. So the first is this. If you want to have a satisfying marriage, communication has to be a priority in your marriage. Communication. Also, consideration. Consideration is something that is so important to the family unit, to the husband-wife relationship. Do you consider each other? What about this one? Compromise, right? And compromise is not just, well, anyway, I'll stop right there. We'll get to that. Compromise. <laughs> Next is, is courtship. How often are you dating your spouse? You guys still have those romantic times where you go out to dinner in a movie and you stare in each other's eyes, you know? What about Commitment. What does that look like for you? How strong are you in that area when it comes to commitment? And then lastly, which is really not last, but it's the foundation for everything, is where are you and your spouse in your relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ? What does your faith dynamic in your relationship with Christ look like? So this morning, you guys bear with me. I'm not going to be too long this morning at all, and it's not because the Cowboys are playing. I should preach longer because of that, but anyway. Yeah. But I, I just want to spend a, a, a few moments just kind of opening us up to the conversation and the dialogue of these, of these six uh, principles. So you guys buckle your seatbelt. But before we get there, I want to start with two verses that will kind of shape us for the, the remainder of the series. So Mike, go to this next slide. I want to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. And I think these next two verses are so important in thinking about having a satisfying marriage. The Bible says here, and, and you guys just follow along, it, it, it ne doesn't necessarily apply uh, to, to the marriage uh, dynamic, like some passages in Ephesians and so forth and so on, and 1 Corinthians and such, but I think this is so important to the, the family, the marriage, uh, satisfying marriage dynamic that you guys bear with me as I read this. 
Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Look at this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only on your own interests, but also on the interests of others. Now, we know this text is just written uh, generally to the, to the Philippians at that time, and they were talking about some of the, the personal relationships that they were having with other people. But I think this verse is so powerful, and it can be applied to a marriage-husband-wife relationship. And if we apply it to the husband-wife relationship, it says some things here that are just so important. Have the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Consider your wife or your husband uh, first before yourself. Each of you should look not only onto your own interests, but on the interests of, of, of your significant other, your spouse. These are so, so important, and I just want to keep these verses with us as we kind of progress and, and move on. The next verse, Mike, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 2 and 3 says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I really like this verse. And if we think about our marriages, do we keep this close to our heart? Are we completely humble in our relationships with our spouses? Are we gentle in our relationship with our spouses? Are we gentle with them? Are we making every effort to keep unity? What are we doing with that? So let's just keep these, these verses close to our hearts and our minds as we kind of continue on. So I want to get to principle number one, communication. Let's talk about communication between husband and wife. Mike, go to this <laughs> next slide here. Uh, I was counseling a couple. Uh, they were getting ready to, uh, uh, to be married. Uh, this was a while ago. They were getting ready to be married. Uh, I was at my previous church. Uh, and they came in to me and they said, Jason, will you do the, the wedding ceremony for us? Will you do the, the, the whole process, the counseling? I said, sure. And she said, uh, the, the, the uh, fiance came in, the, the, the woman came in and said, Jason, I just want to talk to you. We have a problem. And the problem is my significant other, my future husband, just doesn't listen to me. He doesn't listen to me. I'll be telling him something. He just doesn't listen. And I said, okay, you know, that happens from time to time. And she says, I share with him this verse all the time. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness or the righteous life that, that God desires. And what was funny is she was reading from a text, uh, I think it was the King James Version, that said, let every man be quick to listen. And she would say to me, Jason, he's not following this verse. It says every man should be quick to... But you know what? I like that perspective because it's so true, fellas, right? We've got to learn to listen, amen? And, and I'm talking to the fellas for just a little bit because, guys, you know, we, we have our directions, we have our ways, and sometimes we just don't listen. And likewise, I would say on the flip side, ladies as well, we've got to make sure we listen to each other and we're communicating in the right way. In order to have a satisfying marriage, you have to talk to each other. And the question that I want you to think about this morning is how often are you spending time talking to your husband or your wife? How often? You know, 85% um, of marriage problems 
include communication breakdown. That's the reason why there's so many problems in marriage, because communication uh, is not right, and, 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 and the communication is not there, and the marriage begins to break down. There's a statistic that said average couples converse only about four minutes a day, but yet they spend 20 hours a week in front of the television. It's mind-boggling to me. And we know that communication is a skill that you must learn through practice. It just doesn't come easy. You have to learn how to communicate with your spouse. Because I don't know if you know this, but men and women think different, don't they? And because they think differently, they communicate differently. Amen? You know, I <laughs> said amen, right? Amen, that's so true. Uh, you know, just think about just the different ways that men and women think. We can do a whole sermon series on that, you know? Uh, it's, it's so funny to me that, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, whenever we go out to, to eat, we'll find a restaurant. In my mind, I already know what I want to eat, uh, and that's why I chose the restaurant. So when I get to the restaurant, I don't even have to look at the menu. I know, right? But yet, you know, when I bring my lovely wife there, she'll open up the menu, and she'll look through every single item on the list, and I could be starving that day. I think the reason why appetizers were invented was for the man to just learn to sit there and be quiet, Right? And let you, let you spell. We just think and we communicate differently because of the way we think. The other day I went into, a, what was it, some shoe store. And it was funny because there was a lady that was working the front counter. And I walked directly into the shoe store. I already knew what shoes I wanted and I knew my size. So I went directly to the shoes, just pulled them out and walked up to the counter. And she said, my, my, my. Don't you want to try those on? And I said, no, I don't need to try these on. These are the shoes I want, and I know the correct size. She said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I would take them out and try them on. And I said, no, I just give me the shoes and let me take them home. And we got into a little banter about that. So I got home and put on the shoes. They were the wrong size. But, it, you know, we, we think differently, and therefore we communicate differently, you know, uh, and it's just amazing the dynamics there that we have to be careful for. Fellas, we can go into a grocery store and we know exactly what we need and want when we go into the grocery store, right? I know where the milk is, so I'm going to go back to the milk and get the milk and come to the front. But the Lord blessed me with two daughters. So every time I go to the grocery store now, we take side trips to different aisles and they want to look and touch and grab everything. And it's just interesting to me the dynamics between men and women and because we think differently, we communicate differently, and we always have to be aware of that. You see, a lady can say to her husband, what's wrong? And the husband can say, nothing. And you know what's wrong with the husband? Nothing. A husband can say to the wife, dear, what's wrong? And she'll say, nothing. And you know what's wrong? Everything. It's amazing how differently we communicate from time to time. And the key to having a satisfying marriage is you have to learn those nuances. The Bible says to your husbands, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, right? So we have to learn how each other communicates. And if we can learn that, then our marriages will flourish and be blessings to each one. Point number two is this. We've got to be considerate of each other. And sometimes we we lose focus on this when it comes to being considerate to one another. We should be paying attention to what 
uh, the other person is saying and showing them courtesy and respect and kindness, treating them with respect and care. But sometimes courtesy gets thrown out of the window uh, once the marriage relationship has been sealed and you've been married for a while, you notice. Mary used to say to me all the time, Jason, when we were dating, you were just the nicest, sweetest guy. But then I married you. What happened? You know, it's just we've got to learn to be courteous no matter what, right? And sometimes we lose focus on that, and we project our problems onto our spouse, right? If we have a bad day at the office, we come home, and we're kind of rude, and we mistreat one another. But the Bible says if you want to be healthy and have a satisfying relationship, you've always got to be courteous. You know, one of the things that Mary does for me when I have a bad day that I just love so much is she'll make me some oatmeal raisin cookies, And I tell you what, that could just change my whole day when I, you know. And one of the things that Mary likes that I do for her is that every morning when she gets ready to leave for work, I take her bag and I walk her out the door and hold the bag for her. And then I give her a hug and a kiss and I send her off on her way. And those are just little tiny nuances that we do to show each other courtesy and show that we love each other. And if you want to have a satisfying marriage, you have to be courteous to one another. Treat each other with respect and kindness, and go out of your way to do something nice. Third, the next principle is compromise. You know, we just did a wedding uh, ceremony yesterday, and I want to say thank you to everyone who came out to David and Magali's wedding. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Beautiful. Uh, They released butterflies. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, but what's interesting about a wedding is is that um, we go into a wedding and we say, I do, right? But subconsciously, we're really saying, I'm going to redo you. That's what we do when it, <laughs> you think about it, right? That's what we do. We, 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 you know, we get married and we say, you know what? There's some issues that, that my future husband has or my future wife has. We're going to go into this relationship and we're not going to worry about it because I'm going to redo you. I'm going to fix those things up. But sometimes that doesn't happen. So we've got to learn to compromise. I want to say this, that I think all of us know this already. Every marriage has conflict. Show me a marriage that doesn't have conflict. I I would be amazed. Every marriage, every relationship has conflict. There are some issues that you'll never, ever agree on, ever. That's just the way it goes. You know, you'll (laughs) never—I'm going to stop. You'll never agree on those things. I'm a Lakers fan. Mary's a Celtics fan. That will never change, right? So we have to learn how to compromise. We've got to learn to meet in the middle. We've got to learn to be flexible. We've got to learn to negotiate. We've got to learn how to yield our way so that we can benefit our relationship. More marriages die because of inflexibility than adultery, alcoholism, or abuse. Did you know that? Because of inflexibility, because of lack of compromising. Mike, let's go to this next slide. I'm almost done here, church. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 9. This is one that we miss out on and I touched on earlier. Courtship or dating is so, so important to having a satisfying relationship, satisfying marriage. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 9, enjoy, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningful life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. <laughs> Listen to that. For this is your lot in life and is your toilsome labor under the sun. <laughs> what a depressing verse, my goodness. Your life is meaningless in everything that you do. So the one thing you ought to do is just enjoy time with your significant other. Sister's life is just so terrible anyway. 
But this principle is so true. This verse is so powerful. Life is difficult. It's hard. We're always going to encounter problems. And God is giving you your spouse to enjoy some time with one another. So it's good to go out and enjoy one another's company, right? Go out and have a, a date night. And a lot of us will say, well, we got kids and we can't do that. And it's expensive. You've got to figure it out anyway. Take your spouse on a date and do what they want to do. Mary loves going to Broadway shows, so I have to go and sit through Wicked coming up pretty soon. I'm going to sit and be quiet. I'm going to do it. But I love the Lakers, so Mary's going to have to come with me and watch a Lakers game and not complain. Amen. We just do that, right, because we love each other and we want to spend time with each other. You've got to date your mate if you want your family unit to be strong. You've got to do that. But oftentimes, because of the busyness of our days, we fail to do that. You've got to make your relationship a priority. Become best friends. When's the last time you had fun with each other? Develop common interests. But some couples are just far too busy for each other. They don't have time. It's high and by. And then we wonder why our family units struggle so much. Next, I want to talk about commitment, which so is, is, is so important. And I think that a lot of couples are, are missing out on. Um, I want to say this, and if you don't hear anything that I say this morning, just focus on this one principle. You'll never build a great marriage if divorce is considered an option. I want to say that one more time. You'll never build a great marriage if divorce is considered an option. You know, they say half of all marriages end up in divorce. Even within the church, half of all marriages end up in divorce. You see, it's really easy to run away, isn't it? The harder thing to do is to stick it out. So what you need to do when you get married is lock the escape hatch and throw away the key, amen? Say you're not going anywhere, no matter what, till death do us part. We really mean that. And don't threaten to leave when you get mad. I know some couples that do that. Whenever they get into, I'm going to leave you. That's not an option, especially for Christian couples. You don't do that. You work it out. You stay together. Scare talk is off limits when you get married. Now, when you're dating, maybe that's an option, you know. Work for me. Mary did it. Not say, hey, I'm not messing up. No, no. But when you get married, scare talk is not an option. And you don't use the divorce word in your relationships. You made a promise before God, and you should honor that promise. And commitment usually means this, being willing to be unhappy for a while. That's what commitment is all about. Being willing to be unhappy for a while until you work things out. But I know the culture that we live in is all about me, 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 and my happiness and my pleasure and my joy. But commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a season and allowing God to work through that and work on that. And if you stick it out with your spouse, there will be blessings as a result of doing that. But we live in a culture where we're really quick to throw away commitment, and that's not what God wants. So if you want to have a strong family unit, it starts with these principles. And lastly, what I want to end with is Christ. I want to look at this last verse Mike found in 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. This is so, so important. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him, this is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. 
I think a lot of times our relationships are in difficult places is because we are not doing our best to be like Christ. And since we aren't doing our best to be like Christ, our relationships suffer. And in some relationships, one of the spouses is doing their best to live like Christ, the other is not, and there's conflict and there's difficulty. But if both spouses, both husband and wife, decide to be like Jesus every single day, the relationship will flourish no matter what. No matter what. Mary and I, we got married after six months. So I I knew Mary for about three months, and I popped the question, right? After three months, I said, you are going to be my wife. And Mary said, okay, and we got married after six months. We didn't even know each other. We did not know each other. And it was difficult, but because both of us had the passion and the desire to be like Christ, our relationship continued to flourish and thrive, and and we've been married for, for coming up on 12 years now, and many of you have that same story. Because you kept Christ first in your life, you've been able to be married for 50, 60 years. And you would say if you didn't have Christ in your life, it wouldn't have worked. So church... I'm going to just leave you with this idea. If you're able to keep Christ first in your relationships, your family unit will flourish. So I just want you to remember these six principles throughout this week and as we continue on in this series. Number one, make sure you communicate with your spouse. Make sure you're considerate, number two. Make sure you compromise. Make sure you date your spouse. Go out on a date, courtship. Remember your commitment And remember to be like Christ all the time. And I think if you do that, you'll have a satisfying marriage. And then what you'll see is you'll see your family dynamics change. So this morning, I just wanted to leave you with that and make you you kind of process that as we continue on in this sermon series. So this morning, if there is someone here, uh, and maybe a couple here that has been struggling in this department, just know that the church is praying with you, they're praying for you. And with Christ's help, you can get through anything. You can get through anything. So we want to give you this time as an invitation to come forward and we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you and we'll, 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 we'll help you get onto that, that plane that you want to be on in your relationship with your significant other. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and maybe because you're not a Christian, that's why you're having troubles in your relationships with other people. Give your life to the Lord and you'll see any relationship that you're in flourish. And you can do that today. The baptistry is ready if there is